get started. All right, good evening. We're up to way number seven. I uh, Tuesday night's not gonna work for me. Uh, think good things. So way number seven, I, I was really excited to explore it, and uh, I think you'll be too. Way number seven is humility. And the way Rabbi Weinberg, he he actually names his name of the class, even though the name of the of the way of the actual way in the Mishnah is called Anava, which means humility. But I never heard it this way. The way that Rabbi Weinberg uh, presents it, it's how to how to be charismatic. And it's so interesting. It's not the way we view charisma in the Western world. And I think you'll be fascinated by hearing this. So way number seven is humility, the true charisma. So all these ways, these are the ways to wisdom, which really, since life is about wisdom, so though if you want to live, we need to be humble. And you know, most of us kind of maybe get a little squirmy when we hear, you know, be humble. It feels like a very hard thing to do, a little bit, maybe something to tell someone else to do. But I think it's kind of universal that everyone uh, respects and feels that being a humble uh, person is a tremendous virtue. But what is it about it? You know, for example, next week's way is joy. That makes us feel great. When we hear, you know, be humble, it feels a little bit more very intimidating, uncomfortable, maybe. So what exactly is it? Uh, what is it and what would, it, what, what would be about it that would make us a little, a little bit uncomfortable? So the first thing, which is really uh, empowering, is that... Um, second uh is that the Talmud says that one who is humble is guaranteed to have charisma it's a fascinating thing so we all want people to like us so the Talmud is saying that it guarantee humility guarantees charisma well that's something we all want so let's look at it a little more so if someone, the, the essence of someone who's great, we find throughout all Jewish writings is humility. And the way the Talmud uh, gives a, a parable is that the same way that water naturally goes to a lower place, wisdom goes to a lower place as well. And lower place means someone who's humble, someone who's not all inflated. So we, so a a guarantee to be a wise person is to be humble. So when we think of humble, what do we envision? We might think of someone crouched over, a little bit meek, maybe a little bit timid. But the Torah tells us clearly who the humblest of men. It says, the very end of the Torah, it says that Moshe, Moses, was the humblest of men. And Moshe, we know, was certainly not one who you'd call timid, who was afraid to speak. 
He stood up to Paro. He stood up to all kinds of rebels. He saw an Egyptian killing a Jew. He stood up and killed them. He got involved in fights. But yet he is, and he's, he, he's, uh, he, he was the um, the vehicle at, 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 the, at the revelation of Mount Sinai, spring the Red Sea and the Ten Plagues, and the leader of the greatest generation to ever live. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, it really gets a little confusing to try to put a, a definition on what we would call or what would be the characteristics of someone who is humble. So let's go for a definition, which is uh, by now I think we're learning the uh, the greatest message of that Weinberg's teachings, in uh, as far as these forty-eight ways to wisdom, and really in general is having clarity. So let's go go for a definition of humility. Think for maybe think for yourself for a second how you would define humility. Well. The way we're going to go, this is based on based on the Mishnah, based on the commentaries here, that nothing counts. The state of humility is that nothing counts except for meaningfulness. Meaning, it's not, I, I don't matter, not in a doormat way, but what's right matters. And therefore, my ego doesn't get in the way. So humility is I don't matter. The opposite is arrogance, which is I'm the only one who counts. Humility is a is getting in touch with the with the reality that a, a human being, the greatest human being, is a mere speck of dust in relationship to God. So as great as we are. We ha- we that keeps you in check. It doesn't let you get get the uh, things get to your head because you you realize as wonderful as you might be that there's is so much more. So humility is is is, is the 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 um, the pinnacle, the uh, the the main idea of being humble is it's not about me. It's not about me. I don't matter. I I, I just care what's right. Arrogance is, I don't care what's right. I just care about me. And obviously there's many shades of gray in between. So if a person is, the more humble they are, and if they truly become humble, our sages, our Torah, our tradition guarantees greatness. It's just, there's nothing else that I really heard that guarantees greatness. If a person is humble, so they're not really scared to do the right thing. If they're uncomfortable, they, they say the right thing to do is to is to greet someone. Well, they'll do it, even if they don't want to do it. If they feel that they should speak up about something, they'll do it because what matters to them most is what's right. When someone is arrogant, even if they may have a sense of what's right, they the the what what always will will come out as the strongest feature will be what's what's in it for me or what's going to be good for me so humility is not an inferiority complex it's doing the right thing and not being dependent on the opinion of others because so much of what we do is either trying to earn the good opinion of others or not get a bad opinion from others 
So that's going to be our general definition. And now we're going to work uh, work on a number of points of, uh, of aspects of it and how to do it and how not to do it. So now we have our definition. Point up number one to ask yourself. Okay, and these are all ways to get towards this humility. Now, now notice, none of these things are going to be about, you know, being hunched over and timid and quiet. None of this is about that. I'm not saying there isn't a time and place to work on a person's mannerisms, to make them more humble matter and mannerisms. But right now we're focusing on the mind space, which obviously would translate, if a person really buys it, uh, obviously it will uh, manifest itself in, uh, in that way. So point number one is, you ask yourself this question, which I've heard Rabbi Weinberg uh, say in so many minute, different contexts, is are you living... Ask yourself a funny question. Do you live to eat or do you eat to live? Now, it seems most of us, the knee-jerk answer would be, of course, we're eating to live, not living to eat. But sometimes we can forget that. We can kind of like maybe not live that way. But that's the question we ask. And then we ask ourselves, once we hopefully get past number one, that we're living to we're eating to live, then it's, well, what are we living for? And the person has the answer to that question, then they're in a space where they can possibly be humble. Now, the reality is, by default, most of the time, we are preoccupied with food, especially us as Jews. It's, I saw, I think there's a Seinfeld, a whole uh, skit of a scene that he had. It's all about like, you know, guys, look, we got to get up early so we can eat, uh, so we can eat, and then we can go to the park to eat. And it was like the entire day was so they can eat. And it's a little comical, but that's um, sometimes that's we can, we can get, we, we can get in, in that space. Think about, let's say you were given a hundred million dollars. Someone would say here, you're going to be set for life. But there's one condition. There's a condition. And the condition is that you cannot do any work or study. You only can do recreational things. You could swim. You can golf. You could play tennis. You can eat. Whatever you, any kind of recreational activity, activity, just not, you know, something that's studying or something that is to accomplish something, just recreation. Some of us would enjoy a week, maybe two weeks, maybe, maybe a month of that, getting a chance to really relax. But after that, it's, you know, it's, it's not worth living. So we're not living to have money and we're not living to relax. So clearly there's no one, there's no one who likes that. You know, that's the challenge that, you know, I think, you know, People have when they have, you know, uh, a lot of people had it during COVID. They just couldn't do anything. But we can do a lot of things. So that's number one. Number one is why are we living? Why do we do what, what, what we do? And once we answer that question for ourselves, we can look at the world. And we see, well, what do most people do? Do most people live to eat? It's a concept. Or we eat to live. Right? 
What's living? Well, let's tease things out. Let's uh, let's talk to a a college student. Let's just say. So you go to a college student, you go over to Jill, and you say, Jill, why do you go to college? Well, Jill will probably say, What do you mean? Why do I go to college? I go to college because I need to get a degree. Well, Jill, why do you need a degree? She's like, Rabbi, <laughs> I want to get a job, so I need a degree. And then you say, well, Jill, well, why do you need a job for? Well, she might say, well, because I got to eat. Um, you say, well, why you got to eat? Because I got to live. Ah. Then you say, Jill, well, why do you got to live? Well, I got to go to college. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, it's not always that 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 comical, but but that is what we do need to do. We need it, and sometimes we actually have or we had a goal, a very uh, let's say a meaningful goal, an altruistic goal, productive goal, and sometimes we can get very caught up in the process and maybe forget. Now again, you only can be as humble as if your focus is was is is on what's doing what's right. So if you forget your focus, it's very difficult to be humble. When a person remembers their, that they're trying to do something meaningful, it helps them to stay focused and, and to be humble. We get very distracted. That's point number three. We, we can get distracted and we tease out like, oh my gosh, that's why I'm thinking about for myself. You know, I'm involved in Jewish community work. There's a lot of nitty gritty administrative, financial, dealing with people. And there can be challenging times, but if I always keep in my forefront, I'm doing this. I'm trying to help the Jewish people. That that keep that can keep me focused and to stay humble and not get caught up in anything. So the reality is, if you would go over to that college student and you ask ourselves, you ask them, so what are you living for? So most people, and people are good. You know, when, when when they're forced to think about it, they, when someone is done college, they want to go out to the world, really at any stage in life, but with the college, it's kind of like, kind of really makes it very clear. Um, people want to express their idealism. If they want to be a lawyer, they want to help people in that way. People who are in the medical field want to help, you know, whatever, is no field that you're in that you can't possibly People come out, they have idealism, they want to do that. And, um, but a person has to ask themselves, that that's good. That really is good. You can do good things as a lawyer. You can do good things as a doctor. You can do good things as a brand, whatever it might be. But the thing is, we're looking for, for really, really big picture. And you have to ask yourself, is, is, is that really what I'm after? Is it that I want to help people? Well, if, if, if my whole purpose in being a lawyer or doctor or business person or teacher, whatever it might be, or even a volunteer, is to, because um, I want to help people, well, then what happens if you have your, 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 door, your roommate, you have a friend, you have a neighbor, a family member who needs help? Well, if you ignore that, and you say, no, 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 I got, I got to stay focused on my career. I got, well, if the whole reason you're doing it is to help people, well, then 
you have to ask yourself, is that really why I'm doing it? If when it comes to doing your goal along the way, you don't do those things, you don't prioritize those things, then it kind of puts in question what really is our goal. You know, why not help the simple people? You know, it doesn't have to be glorious. It doesn't have to be uh, uh, complicated. You know, you know, a lot of times people, they, 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 it's kind of a cliche, but you say, hey, you know, why not save the whales? Well, we love the whales and all want whales to be around. But the challenge that, and there's nothing wrong with the wonderful organizations out there that, that help wildlife. But the reason why it's become a little bit cliche is that what happens is, is that if a person is asked to do something that's right in front of them, family, friends, neighbors, community, people, if that becomes not as much as a priority, then that's when you have to really question ourselves and say, hmm, am I really doing this because I want to do what's right? If I want to do what's right, then there's lots of things that I need to be doing right. Okay, point number five, that as much as we can try sometimes, and, it's the, and, it, and it is the human condition, to um, get involved in the humdrum, but we got to realize that as human beings, part of our makeup is that we need meaning. We need to feel meaning. And once in a while, we're like, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're at work or you're home, or maybe you say, you say to yourself in these words or in other words, you know, you say, so what? What am I doing? Why am I doing all this? Right? And what happens is you have those aha moments. And then what do we do? We distract ourselves. Distract ourselves. And that's very normal. But that's something we got to realize. You got to realize that what makes us tick, just as important as as water and protein and air and exercise, maybe even more important, is is meaning. So many stories in the Holocaust. I was listening to some stories the other day, how what basically kept people going, and not only the Holocaust, but many many people were in very dire situations, what kept them going was this uh, the the fact that they felt their life had me. I know when my grandmother uh, recently passed away a couple years ago, so we kept always telling her, oh, you gotta, you gotta be around for the next happy occasion, this bar mitzvah, that child's milestone, great-grandchild's milestone. That's a basic human need to feel like we have meaning. The good news is point number six. We have a clue. We're not out to lunch. We don't. We're not starting from. You don't have to go to college for years to 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 get these ideas down. You know why? Because we know, we all know, that we're supposed to do what's right, just because it's right. We know we're supposed to do the right thing. And if we sit there, well, we're hardwired. We want to do the right thing, and we know we're supposed to do the right thing. And we have a very good sense without going to school, without studying Torah. Yes, school and Torah and friends and influencers, all these things are crucial. But the reality is it's life is not a practical joke. God didn't just drop us in this universe 
on a hopeless path to try to figure it out. We, all human beings, are endowed with this sense of what's right. And we have a good sense, you know. You know, let's say you have a candidate for any, a particular, whatever it might be, for a local governor or even a president, whatever it might be. And, you know, someone would say, vote for me because of, uh, I like relaxing. Vote for me because I love playing golf. Like something that clearly is just, you know what's right and you know what's wrong. We do have a general sense. And, but the, uh, the challenge is, even though we do know what's right mo most of the time, if we were honest and quiet and just sat there for a second and said, what's right? Well, we are naturally arrogant because God put us in this world. We're supposed to have this struggle. So that's point number seven. Now, point number seven is that we, 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 we know we can most of the time have a, have a sense of what's right and what's wrong. But number eight is, the point is that we have a confusion. We have this internal confusion. We, we really have real strong holes in which really contradict each other. On the one hand, the greatest pleasure in the world that we all know is when you do the right thing. It feels great to do the right thing. On the other hand, and, 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 the, and the, it feels best when you're just doing it because it's right. And we all know when you do something right for not the best reasons, not, the, not, 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 not that you shouldn't do it, but we all know the difference between feeling great when you just did the right thing just because or when you do the right thing with you. You wanted to get some honor. You wanted to win some friends. Made you feel good. You know, we know those different levels of pleasures. But we, and, and, and they're conflicting inside of us because on one hand, we know how great things are when we just do them because it's right. But we also know the other things feel good too. And, okay. That's uh, really the focus of point number eight. Actually, I'll tell you a story. It was a great rabbi just to bring out this point about how hard this tension is. There's a great rabbi once on his deathbed, surrounded by his students, and he was sitting there, you know, praying with great intensity. Eyes were closed, and his students asked him, they said, Rabbi, you know, your, your last moments on earth, what, what are you thinking about? The rabbi said, you know, unfortunately, you know, I'll tell you, I'm trying to be as present as possible. I'm trying to have the most sincere moments in my last moments in the world. But I have to tell you, I'm still alive. Even at the moment of death, there's a little voice in the back saying, you know what, why don't you pray with a little more intensity so you'll be able to impress the students. He was battling with his ego till his last breath. And this is where the charisma comes in. True charisma happens when we disengage from that need for outside approval. When we do the right thing for the right thing, that is extremely attractive. People are attracted to that because they know that you're real and you're not trying to win them and you're not trying to have them win you. It's just completely authentic. And that really is, yes, there is fake charisma. There's people who have charismatic personalities. Now, a charismatic personality takes you to a certain point, 
And then if there ends up being not true charisma there, it ends up being actually revolting. Think of people like Hitler and these famous orators who are horrible people. You know, they were able to accomplish horrible things, but it's not true charisma. It's a charismatic concept. Real charisma can happen with anyone, with any personality. And you see that. Sometimes there's people who you just like them. You just like them. Why? Because they're just good, good, sincere people who do the right thing because it's the right thing. And it's actually the greatest feeling in the world when you do the right thing because it's the right thing. You know, I'll give you an example. Right, and this is, I could say, as someone who's not a, not a classroom teacher often, but I, but I, I am, a, I am in the teaching business. I always teaching. You know, and you could. So, what's the difference between? And I had this once with a student recently. Um, not anyone here, someone I have a connection to, and we were doing a Zoom study session, a one-on-one. And he kind of, I said something to him, and he said, "Rabbi, you know, doesn't it make you feel good when you?" When you when when you share your 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 brilliant things with me and you know uh, I'm the dumb student and you're the smart rabbi, I said God forbid, God forbid, I'm I'm trying to share information with you, share information from God and it's both of ours to study, and he wasn't convinced and I was like wow, I hope I don't give up that vibe at all, and and Rabbi Weinberg taught he shared. That what what's the essential what's the crucial point between teaching and boasting? Because you know, all you know when you hear someone who talks and talks all they know this and that, and you know it's annoying and it's frustrating. Want to be quiet, maybe even hurtful. And there's other people you can listen to for hours. And he said the difference is, is that if when I'm talking to you, it keeps being a focus on. I this, and I that, and I know this, and I know that. Now, it's not necessarily even the words, but it's the message, as opposed to if I'm sharing. Here's information. I'm sharing information, sharing information. That's a big difference, because it's the right thing to do to share information. Well, even if I'm boasting, it's still the right thing to do to share information, but it might not be. Think about it. If I'm really happy, and I'm really excited about something, and I want you to have that joy, to have that wisdom. I need to pay attention. Are you right now interested? Are you going to be enjoying the wisdom I'm sharing with you? Are you going to be happy with what um, I'm going to share with you now? All right, point number nine. I'm going to phase to a little bit of a practical level here. You know, all over the world... Oh, and today we know we're much more aware of it because, um, because uh, you know, we have the media and everything like that. But all over the world, there are people giving up their life, citizens and warriors the same, who are giving up their life for causes. Unfortunately, many people giving up their life for not good causes, but there's people who are giving up their lives or giving up a lot of their time and effort for causes, for good, for bad. People need a cause. We all want a cause. So in order to be truly humble, remember, because the focus of being humble is being focused on what's right. 
you find the cause. Now, cause doesn't have to be something grand. It could be in, in your house. It could be whatever it might be in all different aspects of life. You, so you find, so instead of, yes, there are people dying for causes, but you know what's even better than dying for a cause? You know, that Weinberg was known all over the world for saying this. Find a cause that you'd be willing to die for and then live for it. You live for it. What's your cause? You know, you could sit down and think of all the things you'd be willing to die for. And I'd say, huh, what would I have to do to live those things? To, to, to bring those things out. You know, you think of things like, uh, and then you go through it. Actually, you can find things that you maybe currently are having as causes. And you say, you know what, I wouldn't be willing to die for those. Maybe that could tell you, you know, maybe it's not that important. Do I have things? Do I have anything I'm willing to die for? What do I stand for? And then you can implement it and say, huh, if I really, that's something I really would want to die for. What can I do to advance that now, uh, now that I'm alive? So there's no better way to use your time and energy than that, to figure out what your cause is, what, what you, you really care about and what's important. Make sure that you're all aligned. Number 10 is that we have to understand that this is the essence of life. The essence of life is the tension, the struggle of the body and the soul, of being humble or being arrogant. Our body is insane. The things that our body, taking our soul and our intellect out of it. You know, we can be lying in bed having to get to a really important meeting and our body are, can tell us the most important thing to do right now is to stay in bed for five more minutes. We can get ourselves to that point. We can say, we can know how bad something is for us to eat and we can do it. And this, we can know how a reaction we can have to do it. And we do so many things that, that, but that's life. That is nothing to get depressed about, nothing to get discouraged about. That's life. Making those uh, you know, battling that struggle. Number 11. Now, we're talking about meaning, but the ultimate, if we're playing those Jewish 20 questions, why are you doing this because of this, and why are you that because of that? Well, the ultimate reason for meaning anything meaningful in this world, it's only going, it, it will, it's, it, it ends with God. Because when it ends with God, it's objectively something good. It's eternal. You know, what makes what makes what you're doing most impactful? We want to do something. If you're doing something and it's subjectively good, we all know that it pales in regard to something that is objectively good. So obviously... We want to do things more meaningful. And the more objectively good something is, the more meaningful it is. Now, with God, that is the way that things become. It becomes the way, only real way to have something objectively good is through something outside of our universe, which is God. Because so, God doesn't have any of our, our limitations, doesn't have our ego, doesn't, he's not bound by any partisanships or isms. God is the source of objectivity. So God defines what's good. So the more we can connect to that, the more we're able to be humble. And that is why Moshe was the humblest of all men, because he was the closest to God. And by definition, 
when you get that close to God, it makes you humble in a good, healthy, pleasurable way. In any situation, you can ask yourself, and this is what great people do. What people use their mother and their father, but 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 everybody can you ask yourself, what would God want me to do? And if you do what God wants you to do, you'd always be doing the right thing. And that is such a a beautiful uh, aspect of, of, of living a, a Jewish meaningful life is that you know you're right. You know, some things in life you can't know. It's very hard to know if you're right. But certain things you know when you're doing this, I know I'm doing the right thing. You're in Shul on Yom Kippur. You know you're doing the right thing. You're doing Shabbos. You know you're doing the right thing. There's so many things like that. And that leads us to number 12. Never as wonderful and enjoyable as any goal might be, whether it be spiritual, whether it's material, any kind of pleasure, don't have it be the end in itself. It's always part of a, a bigger, bigger arena. Doing the right thing. You know, think about it. Let's say someone was giving the choice of, of killing a thousand innocent children or being killed. You know what you would choose to do. You know what you would do. But, and that, that, that shows you something about yourself, about what, what's, what, what you really value, what's really important, what's not as important. And, 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 it, and it makes you look at it differently, you know? person had this amazing goal, they were going to have this event or have this outing and it doesn't work out. And if, if that's an end in and of itself, then you get very angry, you get very frustrated. But if everything is a part of a big cosmic picture, then any individual thing becomes less heavy. And along those lines, number 13 is we have to, again, speaking to myself, we have to be proud enough and have enough self-dignity to be too proud to get petty. Now, if you're on display, you don't want someone to see you get annoyed, get angry, get frustrated. But we can have that even when we're not on display. We, why should we really care what, what, what people think? Someone's not nice, nice to us. It's not easy, but really, 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 who cares? Who cares? That's what being humble is about. And number 14 is to appreciate that the, that the purpose of living is to get as objective as possible. It's constantly trying to get that objective, go out of the subjective, come into the objective, and that, and that makes you humble. And then becomes a very practical tool. You know, when you hear some wisdom, you hear some new information, whatever it might be, so instead of right away putting it through your subjective prism, you try as much as possible to really be objective and listen to what you just heard. And you say, huh, what does that tell me? Is that something true? If it's something true, let me, let, let me embrace it. We have to open up ourselves to wisdom. And it opens up ourselves. And people like that. In fact, that's why the Torah was given in a desert. The desert is empty. The wisdom of God, the more of a place, an open place 
it can go, the more the more that, that will go in. So when we make ourselves humble, that's the greatest way to get to get wisdom. So what's the bottom line of all this? The more we rise above the need for others' approval and develop our own inner sense of self-esteem, the more charisma we'll have. And that's something no one ever could take away from me. Charisma is the uh, true charisma is the state where I don't need your approval. I, I'm, I, I'm doing the right thing because it's the right thing. I have that sense of self. And, 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 and people, it's just very genuine. People are attracted to that. And it's a heart. So a tool to do this is, let's say you're, is you can look at someone else, something that you're struggling with, and you say, huh, I'm having this challenge. What would I advise my friend to do? What would I advise my brother, my sister, my friend, my coworker, and a lot of times when you take it out of your head in that way, it becomes a lot easier to, um, to figure out what to do. Because then you say, huh, that's what I would advise for them. Well, maybe that's what I would advise myself to do. Because it's very difficult to go straight at ourselves and give us that, or that advice. That's why it's good to have friends. That's something else. And then taking that to the next level, number 17, when we're stuck in a really heavy moment and we're in a fight or we're in something intense or we're insulted, that's when we do it. If our friend, we say, a friend would call us on, a friend would say, hey, you know, Mike, Jill, you know, uh, parents are giving me a rough time, my sibling, my coworker, my family member, what do you think I should do? And you think what you would tell them and you apply it to yourself. We need humility. Humility is freedom. So much of our time that we spend is just worrying about what others are going to think. You know, I'm going to think of them. And am I insulted? Am I not insulted? When someone is humble, they're free. It helps us to actually do what we want to do. It allows us to actually enjoy and have a pleasurable life. So to, so, so to wrap up here, why is humility a way to wisdom? Well, humility it generates truth and objectivity. Humility is freedom. Your personality expresses itself in an organic, internally generated and more real way. Humility is pleasure. Arrogance is pain. Humility enables us to embrace others. And it, humility deepens our relationship with God. And until you know what you're willing to die for, like we said, you don't know what you're living for. So you got to figure that out and then live for it. And every day we want to re-ask ourselves these questions. And that helps us keep our, our, our jobs, our relationships, and our overall goals in perspective. And a little exercise perhaps to do, you know, think, of, think of an ideal, a wisdom, some, some, some concept in life that you really believe, you really sold on it. And then try to think about how you would advise your friend to implement that wisdom. And then apply it to yourself. It's just a great exercise because we all know so much, we have, we, have, we have all have so much good advice and good wisdom. It's just 
you know, we're people and our egos get in the way. So let's uh, hopefully we'll, you know, work on some of these ideas, come more humble and have a very, very pleasurable existence. Have a great week. Thanks for coming on earlier in the week. And uh, I hope to be on uh, on a Thursday night Parsha class. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. Right, thanks for coming on. We'll see you, Mr. Shapiro.